You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Welcome, Sid Talk. Welcome. Thank Wel- you. Welcome to this wonderful internet broadcast, brought to you by the power of the internet, as Boogie2918, whatever his number is, would say. Are you copying someone else? I just uh, thought I would. Today. Nice. But welcome, Starting off on a good foot. Welcome to this broadcast. Um, we did. Some I don't mean to break the uh, shatter the illusion. But I don't have a lot of choices. I'm either here or I'm, or it doesn't exist. Is that right? Yes. This is the second time we started because the first time you felt like your little audio thingy wasn't right. No, it's it much right. much more peaky. Um, <laughs> more robust. We did sound. some. Uh, I did some PC upgrades this week. We have a new P- well, you have a new PC, and so do I. What do you think of your new PC? It's great because I can play my game. D- nobody really cares about this, by the way, but this is the before the after the show week long discussion of how great. I'm telling you, my, you my, my you friends who really <laughs> love PCs would really like this discussion. Okay, well, it's fine. I get to, I can watch a video. Let me, uh, okay, let me put it this way. I can watch Scooby-Doo and play City Skylines at the same time. On two different monitors. Now, this is how high-level computer geeky I am. That is what I care about. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you have had a computer for several years now. Um, it was one of those AMD Athlon X2 computers, which is, uh, at the time, was very good. But over the years, it, that CPU is not as strong as it should be for the latest things. So... What happened is I upgraded my PC, which is what always happens, and you get my current PC. So you have upgraded from the Athlon X2 to a Intel Core. Well, you've got four cores now. It's, <laughs> it's a more modern processor. Okay, don't look at me for the specs. Yeah. And I, what I have upgraded to, which is what the uh, people who are into computers would be interested in, is the new Intel Skylake processor, which is a four, uh, eight core processor. It's the 6700K, which is the unlocked version. This is for the nerds out there. <laughs> and I got the Asus Z170-A motherboard. <laughs> that, now, that, that is the... Uh... You know what pisses me off about this? Is because I'll tell you, hey, tonight we're having Subway for supper. And an hour later you go, what are we having for supper? I'll tell you. And then two hours later you're like, what are we going to do for supper tonight? And I'll be like, Subway? Is it complicated? But you remember A-underline motherfucking 765XY29 version P45. <laughs> so let me get this straight. Pardon my language. I got, I got the <laughs> Intel 6700K, which is the 4.2 gigahertz processor, the 8-core one, which is amazing for rendering video, I have to say. And I got the Z170-A motherboard with... Um, 32 gigabytes of DDR4-3200. So my computer is just a madman now. It's like crazy fast. And yours is also... Like, your upgrade is bigger than mine, really, because you went from a really slow one to a nice fast one. So computer upgrades, they're always fun. I love building them, and uh, I spend many hours making sure all the wires aren't showing in my case. You can't see any of the wires. Um, it's my, uh, I can't put the case back together if you can see a wire. It's annoying to me. So, 
Always spend lots of time on wire management, kiddies. Anyway, it is the weekend of Saturday, November the 19th. This is after the show number 454. We're a podcast, we review movies, we sometimes talk about PCs and video games. And Sid Talk sometimes gives you recipes, etc. Uh, not really a recipe, but I'll give you some instructions. There'll be men stuff and women stuff. Oh my god, what are you, from the 1950s? Yes. What's man stuff? So no woman in the entire history of all of humanity right now is interested in PCs, and no man has ever cooked a well, meal. Well, according to you, nobody was interested in PCs. Nobody. That's not sexist. <laughs> <laughs> That's very plain. So let's knock this bullshit about the man and the woman in the head. I work in a data center. There'll be stuff for the nerds. That's there'll not... be stuff for the jocks. Probably not stuff for the jocks. <laughs> <laughs> and there'll be stuff for the creative types. Again, I think that's stuff. more fair, because okay. that could be anybody, but why are you... you gee, well, all, right, all right, there'll be stuff... Rewind. There'll be stuff for the human race. <laughs> Period. In this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's everything. Everything that ever, the human race can possibly imagine, we will discuss. So the movie we're looking at this week is Finding Dory. It's Pixar's latest movie. Oh, there's a movie involved in this? I thought we were off on some different tangent now. It's a 2016 release. It's released on Blu-ray on November the 15th, so you can pick this one up now. It's PG, and it's from our friends at Disney. And Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of Finding Dory, Pixar's latest animated really? film. I have to give you a synopsis? Well, you have to give have the listeners. Have you ever heard of... Yeah, the listeners are human beings, as we've discussed, in the world. They've heard of Finding Nemo. It's kind of there in the title. And now they've heard of Finding Dory. It's kind of... What's a Nemo? Dory is a fish with short-term memory loss, and she goes off into the ocean, and now she decides that she remembers her parents, and now she wants to find her parents. As in, finding Nemo, Nemo gets lost, and his dad needs to find Nemo. This isn't brain surgery here we're talking about. This is finding a fish. In an animated... In an animated, lovely little story. All right, so... (laughs) If you want a better synopsis, watch the movie. We have seen all the Pixar movies, and I would say... Have we? Yeah. We are fans of the Pixar movies. Are we? Like how you think for us. I'm a fan of them. There have been weaker entries. There have been really good ones. Um, You know, it's not always a a home run for me with uh, Pixar. You know, some people, like, they've got them up on a pedestal and everything they do is just Mm -hmm. full. I don't think that is the case. I think there have been some weak ones during. Um, And Finding Nemo... Is Finding Nemo one of your favourites? Hmm... In the Pixar thing. Because Bug's Life is my Bug's favorite. Bug's Life is my favorite. Yeah. Um, I really also like... List them uh, all for me. Uh, Bug's Life, WALL-E, all the Toy Stories, Monsters, Inc., Monsters University. I really like Monsters University. Brave. And Hero 6. Is that no, Pixar? No, that's not Pixar. Oh, that's the Disney people. Yeah. See, I mix them up. That's most of You them. liked Brave, and a lot of... You know, I think that probably wasn't the biggest... Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I, I think, think Brave was uh, Brave was one where everybody... I don't know if it's one of my favorites because it's my favorites or because it's just one of the first ones and you're just like, whoa, you know. It was you pretty Toy spectacular Story, at the time, wasn't Toy it? Toy Story 2, Toy Story 3, all kind of progressively. We've never had a, an additional Bugs Life. No. No Unfortunately, it's my favorite. I it really, really is. It. It's just... And is it nostalgia? Because it's your first where you're going, whoa, look at that. Or is it just the heart of it? I mean, it's really good. Well, it wasn't the first. It was the first you saw. One of the first. Yeah, it was the second one, yeah. 
But uh, yeah, it, no, it's still good. The story was really yeah. cool too. The whole, th- I, I just think bugs <laughs> and the whole when you make bugs like a world and these big ones and small ones and how they transport each other, all that stuff's really interesting. Um, and this movie, Finding Dory, is by the director of Bugs Life. So this is like fish transporting each yeah. other and doing yeah. stuff. <laughs> the big ones and the little ones. Yeah, exactly. So you kind of like the the natural. So let me Pixar's. say, um, I, I don't want to be overly critical on a uh, <laughs> Pixar movie, uh, you know, which is primarily aimed at children and has a children's message and stuff, you know. But Finding Nemo was not one of my favourites, to be honest. It was... I know it's a lot of people's favourites, but I have like some weird tastes. Oh, Cars and Cars 2 was two other Pixar movies. Um, I like Brave a lot. Brave is one of my favourite ones. And that is not anybody else's favourite ones. <laughs> I don't think. But um, Finding Nemo wasn't my favourite. I did like it. It was technically impressive at the, you know, at the time. I'm sure it still is. And this one is technically impressive too. I mean, they, they've come a long way. You'd have to see them back to back to see how far they'd come, but they really have. But I was a little underwhelmed by Finding Dory. Mm. I don't know what I was expecting, but this is how I this is how I saw it. The beginning part was like a rehash of the first movie, almost. Well, it has to tell you the story. It does, but I didn't. There's not much new going on, and then it. The middle part was awesome. I loved it. The part the in the middle of this movie, spoilers. They go to a marine <laughs> park. What do you call it? Biological park. Um, marine life. What was it? Well, we heard Sigourney Weaver yeah. say it over and over. I loved all that. Institute. Marine Life Institute. But the end part, like the last 20 minutes, it kind of broke its rule it broke the rules of Pixar movies for me it, it had like an octopus driving a truck there's just like silly stuff going yeah, on yeah I know what you mean that's just there to further the plot no matter how silly it gets Pixar movies are usually I know they're all I know they've got crazy characters and everything but they're usually pretty grounded in our world a fish can just be a fish and I mean we have an octopus driving a truck in this movie it's it gets away from like what I think Pixar's stuff is at the end. And I think just to make a big action sequence, which is fun, but it felt like like it was, for me, veering off Pixar's route, like where they kind of stick. So it that end part, it was almost like, you know when I watch... Yeah, but think about it. Toy Story went on their adventure, hanging on the back of the truck, trying to go get whatever. They do, so. but these are animals, and those are toys, which... Oh, well, that's a... Yeah, I can see can, what you're they saying. They can do things like... I mean, toys can't do anything, but... <laughs> Bugs Life, it's all... But they can come to life. Bugs and... Life, it all kind of fits. Like, they, they travel on, like, plants, and, you know, it all kind of... This kind of got a bit away from it. It turned into an action movie. What I don't like about some action movies is when the last 20 minutes just becomes like insane. Like it like it makes no sense it's so insane. It's like people diving out of planes and it's just crazy. Like an insane and this For kind the of, sake of it. This kind of went that way. It's like this is a cool like we could do cool things that are not in the water with fish, which is ludicrous, because fish, once they're out of the water, they're usually pretty much screwed, aren't they? Um and I just felt it was like Oh, uh, you know, you're just trying too hard. To, I I would just be sweeter and in the ocean and in the laboratory, <laughs> kind of like 
it doesn't need this big action sequence to make this movie good because it already is good with the characters and so that's my take on this and that's why I felt a bit underwhelmed by it because at the end I was like yes it has a nice message and it is funny along the way which it, it lives and you know lives and these live and die whether they're actually funny there is a lot of funniness right uh, yeah I mean I don't know I laughed a few times yeah I mean, I, I did. I thought there were some funny moments and there's some funny characters, you know. But I, it feels, this to me, I loved Cars and Cars 2 felt like a subpar version of Cars. Mm. This to me feels like that. Like it's a almost unnecessary sequel to something that is awesome. Like, like you're just making another one that is not quite as good. So what is that? <laughs> is that a good idea? Like, you know? Like, I know people want more of a franchise. But I've said to you before with Pixar, I think they are best when they're not re- doing sequels. When they do yeah. sequels, it's never the... Correct. Uh, Toy Story 3 is an exception, because that is excellent. And also is Monsters University, because that was pretty uh, good. Yeah, but still not quite as good as the mm-hmm. first one. I don't know. But Cars 2 is an example of like... How about airplanes? It's airplanes. And those were like, not even in the theatres, they were so spun off. But I feel, and I'm glad Pixar's next one is an original thing again. I feel that they shouldn't do sequels. It's uncreative, in a way. That isn't true. Well, in a way it is. Because they have got... There's a short... So there should only be one Star Wars movie. Well, there's a short film on this disc yeah. by Pixar I'm calling um, out on called this, Piper. That means there will be no sequels. There will be New Hope, and that's it. Well, all right then. Star Wars. Uh, this the sequel to Finding Nemo, which is called Finding Dory, which we're reviewing, is like the same movie. Is what I'm saying. It's it doesn't. It isn't. It's exploring an entirely different type of personality. Yeah, but it doesn't. Um, I would. I think Toy Story three goes to different places. It's way more emotional than the other two. And it felt more grown up in a way, which it was supposed to, because it was like a trilogy of growing up with toys. This one didn't further this anymore for me. Mm, I disagree with you completely. No, for me, I'm saying. Because it was exploring a a personality, a person, like Dory, fish, a person, who might struggle where other people don't have a hard time in life. And a person who maybe can't, I mean, she has short-term memory loss, right? Right, but it also symbolizes people who maybe have disadvantages and they have to do things differently than everybody else. And needing a little help is fine, but they also have their own way in the world. They also find a way to get through life. And it can be difficult and challenging versus somebody who may not have those disadvantages. That's what it's about. Yeah, but I know it as a message, but as a film, when I'm watching it, it, you just didn't pick up on it. No, I, I, I mean, I know the message, but I'm saying the message doesn't affect me much. But the film itself feels a lot less personable than the first one. The first one, I liked everything about it. This one, I felt there are characters in it. The Idris Elba character, for instance, mm. that are just the Three Stooges or something. It's just, yeah. There's just some dumb stuff in it that Pixar are better than I But think. that doesn't take away from the story. It's not the same story. No, but it affects the movie overall for me. I, I'm, I roll my eyes a little bit 
at certain things in this movie. Whereas in the first one, I, it, it was pretty much perfect as far as a fish under the sea adventure was. was. And a really good ending to the first one. The, the action sequences at the end, which take place in the real world, which you don't actually go to the real world. When I say real world, I mean not in the sea, outside of you the sea. You are in the dentist's office. That's what I'm saying. That's the action sequences at the end of the first movie, in the dentist's office. That doesn't occur till the end, so it's kind of like, like unique. Like you're like, oh my, we're not actually in the ocean anymore. This movie's. But it sounds to me like this was a main thing they to wanted it. to do. Be out to get, of the ocean. Yeah. Right. Uh, and that being out of the ocean, while it's it's in a really cool place, it didn't entertain me as much. And I, I just find it was some of the characters. And I know I don't want to rag on this movie too much because it is Finding Dory, and kids will adore it. It's obvious. There are characters there that the you know that are really fun. I do especially like Hank. I thought he was a cool character. I just like there is a octopus who an octopus with the what do you call it chameleon camouflage where he can just be uh, like the wallpaper or whatever. It was really cool. I think and very inventive the way they used him when he was like hiding and he's pretending to be a railing on the stairs and stuff. All of those things I really loved about that. But overall, the story didn't do it for me as much as the first one. That's not to say it's a bad movie, because as far as animation and sound and technically everything about this is really incredible, right? I mean, it's just like a treat, like the whole thing. It's colourful. So you just expected what? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. You know when there's an intangible when you watch a movie? You expect a certain, like a, what you got from certain Pixar movies. Yeah. Cars 2 was another one where I walked away and went, okay, like I felt a little bit like I'll forget that movie fairly quickly. Like it wasn't as memorable as, as other ones. Cars 2 is not very memorable. All I remember about it is they're spies. It's like James Bond with mm. cars. I don't remember the and story. the race. Yeah. I bet, well, there isn't even a race in the second one. They, they're spies. They, they're doing spy stuff in cool cars. I know. They're doing that race. They're at that race. Oh, the international race. Yeah. That's the second one. <laughs> So you really That's what forget. I'm saying. It's it's very unmemorable. I feel like this one and the other one was kind of blend together. Um, you know, it, I don't walk out of it thinking, "Wow." You know, another thing I think it might be is um, we're used to CGI films now, aren't we? We're used to the wow and the technical and the oh my god, look at what they can do. That's kind of gone now, hasn't it? <laughs> like unless something really amazing is taking place there's a short film on this blu-ray the one that pixar will put in for an oscar called piper i would have liked that piper is a technically unbelievable in fact and that's what i say about pixar i would have rather they did a feature length version of that than a sequel to another one that they've done before and that's just me i know people love sequels and I do sometimes, but I find I'd rather watch Brave and don't make Brave too. And what's other one? What's another one? Bugs Life, where you you do it and leave it alone, right? Because it's so good. Because like we said, oh, we'd love a Bugs Life sequel. We probably wouldn't be that good, would it? It wouldn't be as good. I don't know that. I don't know that because I, mean, I don't know. With their track record of. But I don't think I'm not. I disagree with you about this one. Aside from um, Toy Story Three, which is very. So I then, think is better than the other two. So now, why wouldn't Bugs Life be as good? 
and that, but I think Monsters University is also lesser. It felt lesser to me. Like I mean, it's less memorable than the first one. So you've just decided now, if you make a sequel to The Bug's Life, it'll be worse. No, I'm saying like <laughs> I, I'm saying I prefer Pixar no at making original things. I would never. If I was them, I wouldn't make sequels. Well, but you're not there to make billions of dollars a year. And I know that there's the business involved yeah. where you have to make sequels to make money to actually go forward and make something original. But um, Finding Dory, it's a, for me, for you'll be a different opinion, is a lesser version of Finding Nemo that I would rather watch Finding Nemo. If you said to me, what do you want to watch out of these two? I would always choose Finding Nemo. I find it. I find those characters more endearing. You know. Uh, what about you? I disagree with you. You <laughs> like this one better? I didn't say I like it better. No, Jesus, I'm asking you. I don't have to like it asking better. Que- I'm asking the question. I know, but that doesn't imply that I like it better. I'm not as like my expectations aren't like okay, you better live up to the first one or else you suck. No, I never said that. There's a lot of great... I never said that. Sweet sounds. No, I didn't say it There's only two versions. didn't say it sucked. said it's really good. You either like it as much or it just doesn't... Said it's really good. It's just less memorable. I didn't say it sucked. At all. Yeah, but why does it have to even compare to the other one at all? I mean, it's its own thing. But it isn't if the thing that was before it was the first part of the story. Yeah, but this isn't a continuation of Nemo's story. Well, Nemo's in this movie. I understand. This is not that story. It just happens to be, we've got a formula here. Somebody's lost, and we need to find a way for people to, for these little characters to solve problems and learn their independence and learn about courage and learn about like making. Decisions. And that's why I said I don't want to diss it so much because it I is a kids' film. Well, that doesn't matter. You can. Com- but I mean, when you said you probably didn't get the, me- I'm I'm saying yeah, of course I got the message. It's a kids' film. The message is really heavy-handed anyway. Um, but the message doesn't apply to me. And yes, I understand kids can get a lot from that message. But as an adult watching it, as a piece of entertainment, the message is not what I need. I'm an adult and I found it. I cried. I was emotionally moved by the idea of encouraging somebody who cannot function just like everybody else to work to their strengths and accept help when needed and all that stuff. So I found it very It was sweet and it was fun. And I think all those things too. <laughs> I just saying it. There's some intang- I, I get it. There's an intangible thing for me, where it didn't catch as much. And I get it. I, and I'll tell you, Cars Two was exactly the same. Monsters Inc. We Two know. was you've exactly said, the same. You've said. You've said. We get it. Yeah. All right. So I need your all your opinions on this movie. I just said it. I mean, I would give you mine. So it's your turn. I just said it. What I know you? you didn't. You didn't elaborate on it. You I just said did. it's sweet and it's. I just said everything. All right, let's move on to the cast. <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres plays Dory. Uh, what do you think of her? I mean, she was in the first one, right? Yes, of course. But very small part of it. She was Dory. Yeah, I know, but I mean, Dory, Dory, Dory wasn't the... a big deal in the first one. Yes, she was. She was Marlon the whole way to help find Nemo. Right. That's why she became an endearing character, because everybody, a lot of people liked her the best. I thought she was movie. in like about a third of the movie. He just meets her along the way, and then she's with him the whole time. Right, so what do you think of her in this one? She's, she's fine. She's good. I mean, I like her. She's got a sweet... When she needs to be vulnerable and when she needs to sound... I mean, to voice acting. So I don't... I'm not fully versed yet in how to judge it. But I 
Well, I mean, you should be by now. We've not got really. Twelve years worth of them, or maybe more. Fifteen years no, worth of Pixar. No, not, not like that. Not like not like thinking about that as a performance that you can decide if it's a good one or you don't like. I mean, you can either like their voice or not, or what you know. I don't know. I like her voice, and it's sweet, and it's this. You know, they didn't change the person, so Dory is a person now to me. Like her whole character is Ellen DeGeneres' voice and. I mean, my favourite part of the whole movie is that the uh, joke of Dory not being able to remember because fish can't rem- There's certain fish that these... I don't know how, pe- how they know this, but certain fish only have a 10-second memory. She seems to have less than a 10-second memory, though, right? And sometimes it's literally, like, one sentence. Nah, that's not her type of fish, though, because as we learn in this movie, it's just her. It's not all the blue fish. Right. She just happened to be born that way. But the joke is based on the... Fish have a ten-second memory thing. Which, I don't. I don't know for sure. I which, when you're a kid, you're taught that. <laughs> I was when you're a kid, and the teacher teaches you that. I've never been taught that my whole life. Oh, we were totally taught that, and it was almost as if like all fish are that. Like all fish have a ten-second. How memory. did anyone know what kind of? I mean, they start by have. telling you goldfish have a. Ten- That's why I always thought I, when the teacher told you about it, I was always like, "How do you know that?" Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, that makes no we sense. Don't, we don't. How do we get inside a fish's memory? We don't. Plus, if that were the case, then all of the fish in this movie would none none of them had memory, so it would make no sense. Yeah, and that would be a difficult story to tell if nobody remembered anything. Uh, Albert Brooks plays Marlin. What do you think of him? Same, same as always. Fine. I didn't know it was him. I'd forgot. And right. then, you know, I voice acting's weird for me. I can listen to a whole movie sometimes, and then like. Some people, like Idris Elba in this movie, is all immediate. Uh, oh yeah, that's Idris Elba. Can't help but know it's him. He was in something else recently we watched, right? Star Trek? No, as a voice. Jungle Book. <laughs> he was the, the bad... But yeah, and it's immediate, like you know it's him. But other voices, I can't pick up on them at all. And in this movie... Like Ed O'Neill. I, I thought Hank was um, John Goodman the entire time. Until right at the very end, when I was like... I said to you, is that John Goodman? And you said, no. I don't know, it's weird. So Albert Brooks uh, is good as Marlin. Um, I mean, he does the worried voice and the sad voice and the... Yeah. He's, you know. I mean, some some people say it's like super easy voice acting. I don't think it is. No, I think it depends on the thing. Just um, like anything. Uh, Ed O'Neill plays Hank. I think he was one of my favourite... Well, it's my favourite thing about this movie, Hank. It's the best character. I feel like it was trying to be the favorite thing, and that's what made it not my favorite thing. It was trying too hard. They got kind of up their own ass on that part. Uh, that we've got this amazing character, and then as we watched in the extras, I, I even felt it while I was watching it, that this is our showpiece more than everything else. And he was fine. It looked cool and everything. But to me, it was like you with the action sequence. It was too much not about Dory anymore. And so I could have done with a little less Hank, even though it looked cool. I would, I could take a short movie of just Hank. That would be awesome. But trying to big him up now, I feel like we're gonna have a Hank movie. So Hank is a very tech. Yeah, like be prepared say, for another sequel. Yeah, it's like a total technical. It's like every single thing that Hank does is like m- marvelous. Like he does. Uh, I don't know about that. The way he That's moves, cool. the way he jumps from one thing to another. There's a lot of um, because you're in the real world in this movie, not in the ocean. 
St- I mean, in the yeah. land will. There's a lot of jumping from bucket to tank to... Because they need to be in water, right? That is one of the things. You know, you can't just have a fish just walking around on the concrete. It's not that type of movie. So, there's a lot of cool moves. Like, and Hank is the guy who, because he's an octopus, he can scoop up Dory and throw her in a, a coffee percolator thing. Or he can throw <laughs> her in a little children's cup. Like, she's in lots of different things as she goes along. I, I really like that. That was one of my favourite things. But yeah, he is a technical... Because he can um, chameleon himself to anything, it's very flashy, right? I did. I, that's kind of what I like. But I liked his personality too. Uh, Diane Keaton plays Jenny. Um, almost. That's not Diane Keaton. You mean them? Was that the mother? Yeah. Oh right. Um, again, didn't even know, so that didn't affect me at all. But they are really the mother and father are good. I really like them. I like how they aged. How they aged the fish just subtly. Like I mean, it's. You have to think about it because they fish. They don't have hair and stuff. But there's a way of there's a way of aging some fish in this cartoon, which is in this, which is pretty cool. Eugene Levy plays Charlie, and Idris Elba plays Fluke. Like I say, I love it. I like Idris Elba, but that character was just pointless. Yeah, it completely was completely pointless. It was a Three Stooges, literally. Like there was three of them. They had the same. They had pelicans, I think, in the first one. That was, I think, like I said, they have a formula now, and what? they they go through point by point to do yeah. their little, you know, similarities and. Yeah, and they they were. I mean, they're comparing more seals, than me, but. seal sea lions. There was three of them. One of them was like the dumbest one, and the other two were kind of picking bull- on him, picking on him like bullies. Which seemed really bullyish. It was yeah. literally the three Stooges, and and I I could see, I saw it immediately. I was like, oh my god, it's those characters, the ones that. People laugh at because they yeah, really mindlessly. Fun, but it really is not funny to me that it's just it's almost cr- mean. Like it's mean, isn't it? Like because if you put Dory in that situation and everybody's making fun of her, everybody go, "That's yeah. mean." Dory yeah. can't help it. And then here we have this little. It's like we can make a couple, of we can make some challenged. dumb. Yeah, we make these dumb characters and then no, like in Transformers when they got those. Yeah, yeah, it's like ugh, you know. Yep. So yeah, I could do without that. Um, this is directed by Andrew Stanton, and he's actually dual directed it with Angus McLean. Andrew Stanton's famous for Wally, Finding Nemo, A Bug's Life, and John Carter. John Carter was a big flop, yet it was a cool movie. I thought a really cool idea. I'm, yeah. I'm really, really sad that it didn't get its sequel because it it ended on a cliffhanger. Um, but Andrew Stanton obviously made A Bug's Life. He's one of my favorite Pixar people, and he moved up the chain like he was like. You know, he started off as an animator and now he's one of the directors. Um, but I think he does a good job because this is technically an awesome movie, right? I mean, as far as an animation goes, there's not much to match this. It's the, at the top level of any animation you've ever seen. I mean, it's so... Well, I don't know about that. There's different kinds. So if I mean, I, if, CG... I watched a, if I watched a, a, a line drawing animation... That blew me away because of our artistic whatever. I wouldn't say this is the best kind of animation you have to live up to. It just is of its own thing. It is that it's very its own world that they've created. The style of the roundiness of things, the look of everything. While you might have certain moments where like, whoa, that looks like the desk and the whiteboard in the background of the Marine Life Institute place. It just you could real. if you glanced at it, yeah, it looks like a real photorealistic thing. And then the next in the next shot, you see like a roundy looking human with the 
roundy face and like that glossy look that isn't realistic at all. So they have a very specific style. I wouldn't say it's the pinnacle of animation. No, I disagree. It's the pinnacle of... This animation. CG. Not even know about that, but of what they do. If anyone tries to copy it, it's going to be obvious. Of its own thing. I really like how Pixar handle human beings. I always have. I like their their version of human beings is very Pixar. Like you go and look at other animated show animated movies, and their human beings are different because Pixar have their own. It's very specific. Like it started in Toy Story. When you when I f- I remember when we first watched like Toy Story. And they kind of hid the human beings. You didn't really see them. Like yeah, You just totally. heard them. You heard them or you saw the feet. Because I think it was difficult to do them. And then eventually down the line, like in Toy Story 3, you get to see human beings properly. But it's it was one of their technical overcomings, I think. Like, we have to be able to do humans interestingly before we can do them. There are a, bun- there are a lot of humans in this movie, let me say. Because you're in this oce- oceanic park... And it's full of visitors, children, adults. There's tons of them. These, in fact, there's crowd scenes. Um, extras on this Blu-ray, and there are a lot. Over two hours worth of extras. There's an all-new mini short called Marine Life Interviews. What did you think of that? We did watch that. Kind of boring. It's, Didn't really do anything for me. You remember, like... It's just like talking to an animated character as if they're a real person. I think that's really annoying. I mean, it just does nothing for me. Really. The Wallace and Gromit people, many years ago did uh, a thing where they interviewed the animals in the zoo. It was a movie. A whole movie of that. Of, of, of just, like, sticking a... What, what would the lion think? It was that, basically. So maybe it was a tribute to that, because I thought, wow, that's very similar to that. Mm, I doubt it. It's more like a tribute to reality TV. There's a Piper short film, which is about a sandpiper hatchling digs for food with uh, scary waves, it says on the back. It's really cute. Yeah, it's the one you're going to see when the Oscars come around. It'll be up in there for the best animated film. Um, again, like most of those, I said to you, the short films that you get with a Pixar movie, they're almost like, we need to demo a new technology of ours that we're trying to figure out. In this case, it's sand. And what better way than to make a short thing where we can build the system. The birds, all, everything was more detailed, not just the sand. Yeah, it was like, after watching Finding Nemo. At first I thought, is that real? Yeah, exactly. The foam on the ocean, the birds looked, like, real. And then as you get into it after a few seconds and you're like, oh no, it's animated. But yeah, all of it was. But after watching Finding Nemo, which is super, you know, animated and very um, rounded, like you say, and, you know, Pixar-ish, this thing was very different to that. It it was stark looking, and at first when I saw the bird, I was like, wow, have they done something like superimposed video of a bird over, you know, it's crazy looking, but yeah, it's cool. It's called Piper. And then there's a bunch of stuff. There's some deleted scenes. There's the octopus that nearly broke Pixar, which is about Hank, the octopus, and how difficult he was to animate. Um... The thing goes on for ages, and I got sick of hearing people say how difficult it was. Yeah, me too. And I'm telling you now, I'm not a collaborator person. I get it. People want to tell me how great it is to have all the different opinions. It took him two years. And if you look in that room, there's 20 people. Now, 
You can't get two people to agree on dog shit in this world, let alone 20 people. So let's say we're going to have a meeting over how to make the end of the tentacle. Are we going to make it round? Are we going to make it square? Are we going to make it pink? Are we going to make it white? Well, we've got all these. Let's have a meeting next week. Okay, we're having a meeting next week. Next week we discuss it. Well, we've got 50 pictures. We're going to narrow it down to 10. Let's have a meeting next week, and then we'll discuss it again. And you do to me some demos. And you do me some demos from the different departments. Let's see some shine. Let's. See. It takes forever. And I feel like... I don't need to hear all that. Like, if you made it difficult because it's a challenge and then you make it more difficult because you're kind of up your own ass about it, I don't. it doesn't make me appreciate it more. That's the thing. One of the animators said, um, this is why it takes 45 years for us to make a movie. <laughs> and I thought that was really funny because he, he, was, he was almost saying, this is all meetings. Like, one of the guys actually said on that, what I remember when I watch this movie now is all those difficult meetings. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's not a good way to think of this, is it? You know, like all these difficult meetings you had. That sounds like it sucks the fun out of it completely. Absolutely. And then telling <laughs> everybody how hard yeah. it was for you. Which they I all I don't do. know. I just, I mean, it's an interesting extra to see the process. But yeah, yeah I agree with you. Um, so, yeah. Um, yes, it was difficult to animate, but, you know, they really Get rub it, it in. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's over two hours of features. They're not all listed on the back there, but there are, I can tell you, on the actual disc that the movie comes on, there's a bunch of features. And then there's a second disc, which is all features. In fact, there are four screensavers for your... Uh, three hours long. That are three hours long. All four of them. Like So you put them in and you just let them play, and it's a loop, basically, but they're really, really long. <laughs> I was like, wow, that doesn't seem the optimal way to do that, but... They're cool looking. If you've got a nice TV, you can stick them on your TV and it'll look cool, you know? I'm sure your kids will get a kick out of just sticking that in and wearing your Blu-ray player Like I said, you're going to see them on TVs in stores. Yes, exactly. Because they look amazing, obviously. They buy Pixar. In fact, they're just taken from the movie, right? But without the foreground on them. They're just backgrounds and stuff from the movie. Um, So in conclusion on Finding Dory, what is your uh, conclusion? I loved it. I had a great time. I cried. It's really fun and really sweet. I'm, I'm fine with it. And I um, also think it's technically awesome. I really always like seeing new Pixar movies. Um, this one is not, like I've said, not my favorite Pixar movie, but I always want to see the next one because they always do something that is cool. So um, thanks to Disney for the Blu-ray. Uh, it is available now. And... Next week's Blu-ray review will be Hell or High Water. That is um, next week's. And if you want to enter a contest, we've got some good contests going on at the moment. You can win Game of Thrones Season 6 on Blu-ray. You can also I'll take win... It. You can also win... A, I don't think I'll ever want to watch Game of Thrones over. I, mean, I really don't, unless it's like 20 years from now and I've completely forgotten it. Well, I've kind of forgotten the first few seasons, so now... Like, I mean, yeah, specifics, you know, <laughs> yeah. so it would probably be all right to watch it. Um, That's a lot of stuff. You can also win Star Trek Beyond Mondo poster. That is an awesome prize. Go to aschoolie.com and have it a look is. at that. Um, uh, you can win one of those. Uh, so, movie recommendations this week. Mine based off Finding Dory. Obviously, I'm going to, going to go with some my favorite Pixar movies. Actually, my favorite two Pixar movies. Bugs Life we mentioned earlier and Brave I think Brave is the most different out of all of them it's really like it's pretty unique 
uh, I, I love that it takes place in Scotland. It's just really well realised, the whole like world and everything. Uh, brave. Okay. Not, not many people talk about it. It was kind <laughs> of a forgotten Pixar movie, you know? And yours are? Mine are. Uh, in the animation world, I've been re-watching. There were two seasons of this a few years ago. I forget what year they came out. But it's Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, which is where... They kind of rewrote the characters. It's like a story, like a big overarching story for the whole thing. You know, it's not just... It's individual mysteries. And you reveal the bad guy every time. But there's also the element of possible, actual, supernatural. And they've got, you know, their storylines amongst the characters. And it's really a lot of fun. And there's a lot of them. Like, a lot. Two seasons. It's taken me, like, three weeks. Yeah, you have of watching like two. Yeah, it's a lot of it. And uh, the other one is Phineas and Ferb. Because it's just really fun and it's really clever. And I'm yes, I'm a 49 year old woman. And if I have Phineas and Ferb on and I'm doing something else, I will laugh my head off. I will stop and watch and see what Candace is doing for like 10 seconds because it's just a fun. I haven't seen any new of it lately, but well, I don't think it's still going anymore. I don't know, but it's really fun. You can see it on Netflix. That's where I watch it. I think it's all on there. So yep. Phineas and Ferb and Scooby-Doo, two different generations, different kinds of animation. These are not the 3D types. These are all old school looking, but I'm sure they're all computer generated at this point. But um, fun stuff. Yep. Um, games and A-Scully stuff. I've been playing Watch Dogs 2 this week. I've mentioned it last week. Really? I'm you've, surprised. You've actually seen some of it, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, the sequel to Watch Dogs, which was an Ubisoft game from a couple of years ago. That game was about this guy called Aiden Pierce, who is family gets killed and it's this hacking thing he needs to hack into the city the city's controlled by a computer and like see who was responsible for killing his you know it was this dark hacking tale this one's the opposite of a dark hacking tale it's a a nice it's like a crew of hackers they're all really likable which is what's very different to the first movie first game sorry the people everybody in the first watchdogs they were all douchey didn't like anybody. They were all kind of like up their own ass and real serious. This is the opposite of that. But it does. It's not silly like Saints Row. It's like I said to you. It's the all the missions are like ripped from the headlines. The mission I just did was basically about breaking into a Scientology church, the temple. Yeah, Scientology type. Yeah, using hacking. Yeah. To well, this is how this. This is just one mission, but the mission is there's a movie star. Who's into science? It's not it's not called Scientology, but it obviously is. There's a movie star who is into Scientology. He's one of their, you know, higher ups. His movies have started turning to shit. Like he was a really good movie star, but recently his movies aren't so good because he's focusing more on this religion than he is on the movies. The hackers kind of get wind of like he speaks to one of the hackers and says like I'm ready to get out of this religion it's just ridiculous it's getting on my nerves like it's it's affecting me so they help him get out of the religion by breaking into the temple to disprove that there's anything about this religion I get you so uh, I go in as a hacker I go downstairs and they've got these this particular brand Are you, of this is spoilers for this game people might not want to know it's just like a really it's, it's just a, a mission within it okay um, but were you surprised at any point? Not really, no, okay. I wasn't. But the, the, obviously these hackers, they're good good guys. They want to um, expose and... 
the whole is set slightly in the future. It's in San Francisco. It's not like a fake city. It's actually San Francisco. And it's a little bit in the future, whereas self-driving cars are prevalent. Um, you know, Google rules the roost. Uh, everything's electronic. Billboards on the street talk to you. It's a little bit... It's not very far off, to be honest. I mean, within five years, all of that stuff will probably be, you know, around. But um, what this means is in this game, there's a lot more hacking opportunities. You can actually hack cars and drive them remotely without you being in them because they're electronic, all of them. Like, So you, if you can hack them, you can do that. You can hack traffic lights. You can hack into people's computers. You can hack people on the street and take money out of their bank accounts through their phones. Um, but the whole idea of the game is you're... Um, you've got... A, you're, you're called DeadSec. You're a... Uh, hacking group called DeadSec and what they want to do this is the whole for the whole game is this ultimate hack where they take down everything they take down all these big conglomerates who are running the city and trying to like the people who sell you electronics in this world they're not selling you a smartphone because you can have a cool smartphone they're selling you a smartphone so they can sell you stuff listen to you video you right Okay. It's all about like the technology, Spying on you. yeah, and j just making your life like really kind of knowing everything about you. It's all about data. So these hackers want to take down everything, and the way they are trying to take down everything at the beginning of the game, they invent this app called the DeadSec app, and they're trying to get people to install the app on their phone. So when they install the app, the the people, it's not they're not being nefarious. They're saying to the people. We're dead sec. We want to make this world better. We don't want you to be hacked. We don't want you to be listened and snooped on. So you install our app, and we will use your computing power for our cause. Like so, your phone becomes part of our network. And if we need a bunch of computing power to take down a big computer, then all you lot will be helping us. So, the idea of the game is to make dead sec like be a publicity person for them do things that make like taking down this Scientology place for instance now I'm on the news because I took it down and it makes Deadset look cool because like hey loads of people now are going oh wow like they expose the truth they're awesome you know so you're trying as this hacking group to get all these all the town all the city of San, San Francisco to have this app to eventually at the end of the day take down the big conglomerate which is called Bloom they make the it's basically the um, technology that runs the entire city. It runs everything. It runs the lighting. It runs... They, what they want to do is hack everything. Take it all down, like, at the end. So you're going through all these little missions. But they're anti-heroes, kind of. Yeah. They seem bad, but they're not. But, yeah. they. Now, you can go around killing people in the game if you want. You can you can 3D print guns in this... Um, <laughs> in, the, in their little lair. But I've played about 20 hours and I haven't killed anybody. I killed one person, actually. I ran over them on accident while I was doing a race. Oh, jeez. I was doing a race through the city and I, I hit a pedestrian. But as far as, like, I said to you, it feels awesome. I infiltrated the Scientology church. With me, I've got a little drone. Like, obviously, hackers, drones. I've got a drone with a camera on and I've got a little drone with wheels that drives around like a remote control car. I didn't even go into the compound. I stood outside, and with my two drones, I hacked 
the Scientology church and got all the information and photos I needed. And then I brought my drones back to me and just left. They didn't even know I was there. Like, that just feels awesome. Like, you're in some Mission Impossible movie or something. And, like, it's just... It feels way better than going in and just killing everybody and stealing the secrets, which you could do. But I prefer that sneaky, sneaky way. So that's uh, Watch Dogs 2. It is really, really awesome. I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's a massive improvement on the first game. It's one of those that you look forward to every day. Yeah. like yeah. I, It's like GTA because it's open world. You can just run around and you can do things. You can be an Uber driver in this game. It's really irrelevant to the plot. But I find myself just... Oh, I'll pick up a few fares as Uber. I mean, it's not Uber. It's Boober or something. It's, it's similar. But you pick up somebody. And in any of these open world games, you can pick up people in taxis. And what it generally amounts to is taking somebody from A to B. In this game, it doesn't. It's They've innovated on the taxi missions. The first one was, I picked up this girl. And she gets in the car. And she says, oh yeah, I'm a YouTuber. I, uh, I, do, I like to uh, go around San Francisco and film stunts in cars. And the guy's like, okay. And she's like, well, you're, you're my driver today, so do you want to make a video? And she wants you to jump over ramps and, you know, impress her. And she's filming it and she's doing a commentary, which is really funny, like a YouTuber. Like, hey, guys, blah, blah, while, while you're driving. It just adds a whole lot to, like, in, instead of somebody getting in your car and you just take them somewhere. There's lots of fun stuff like that. So that's Watch Dogs 2. You can uh, get it now. It's uh, on everything. Uh, the other thing, and you watched this with me last night, is uh, the Grand Tour on Amazon Video. Um, if you've listened to the show before, you'll know I'm a fan of Top Gear, which is the BBC car show. Would you say it's a car show, or would you say it's a... It is a car show at heart, right? Yeah, definitely. But it's also the the guys who were in Top Gear. It's really about them, right? I mean, it, it, it doesn't work without there them. There's no Top Gear without them. It's like Mythbusters without the two Mythbusters guys. It, it isn't Mythbusters anymore, is it? It's about that. It's, it's, it's about who's in it as well. So, Top Gear, most people know, Top Gear ran for 17, 19 years on BBC in, in England. And uh, with different presenters and stuff. But the end part of it, the last 10 years of it, was Jeremy Clarkson, um, Richard Hammond and James May, the three presenters... Something unfortunate happened a couple of years ago, or a year ago. It wasn't something that unfortunate happened. Jeremy Clarkson punched the guy in the face. Right. And he got fired. Yes. He punched one of the producers <laughs> in the face. One of The presenter punched the producer in the face during some filming. They weren't filming it. But it was an argument, the guy out control. And he got fired from the BBC. And then the BBC went on with Top Gear with some new presenters... One of them was Joey from Friends. <laughs> and it wasn't quite the same, obviously. It really wasn't the same. Like, it was a different thing, and it just wasn't as good. Because it wasn't them. Yeah, I agree. So what happened is, uh, over the past year, Jeremy Clarkson signed with Amazon Video and uh, brought James May and Richard Hammond along with him to make this new show called Grand Tour. The Grand Tour. It's really... it's. It's as close as Top Gear could be without breaking uh, the. Oh yeah. License like yeah. There's there's obviously certain things they can't do in this new show because they're copyrighted or whatever. But it's pretty much Top Gear, isn't it? It's it's a, it's a Top Gear again. I mean, it's called the Grand Tour. It's pretty close. Um, it's got this huge budget because Amazon decided they would throw a load of money at this um, show. 
In fact, the money that they've thrown at this show is the amount of money it costs to make the Avengers. So it's <laughs> big. It's a big TV show. The opening sequence of last night's show, which is the premiere, costs $3.1 million. So it's way different to like top what Top Gear could ever do, like in terms of that. Uh, what did you think of it? Um, I mean, you're not a big fan. I'm not a huge fan because I couldn't give a shit about cars at all. No. I don't get the appeal. I don't... I mean, there are certain cars that I guess visually I'm a little more stimulated by, but I couldn't care less about any of the speeds and the motor and any of that. However, the just dynamic of them... And you're talking about the Three Stooges. That's yeah, kind it's of a comedy they, show, right? Yeah, they try to yeah. play up, you know, picking on each other for different reasons, and sometimes I roll my eyes, but raising the production value... And letting them have more freedom, like, and this sounds like a petty thing, but, like, they can swear. Like, if they're driving, they can say, I'm shitting my pants. Because yeah. they're going, like, 240 miles an hour in a car, and you can, and they're, you get to see them driving these cars. That I find interesting. Yeah, so, they can all yeah. drive. It's not like yeah. it's fake. They, yeah. they drive the cars. They're all car men, yeah. car people. They're not just collecting cars or talk about it, you know. No, they can drive cars. They seem yeah. like they're in it. Like, their life is cars kind of thing. So and that I appreciate. And it's half comedy show, obviously. It's <laughs> yeah. a lot of sarcasm and making fun. Um, it's The Grand Tour, this new version of it, is each week takes place in a different country, in a different city. The first one was in uh, America. So there was a lot of jokes about Americans, differences between Americans and British people, which was kind of funny. Hilarious. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it was. I mean, that's... It's their, funny to you. Because you're not I'm funny to the American audience who was there. I don't know. Also. I don't think so. Um, but they did a cool... They did a good film about these three hypercars and they, like, finally laid it to rest which one was the fastest. The The production values of the car, of the films is just insane. It's, like, so good. Like, they do special effects. That part where they showed you the cars and then they kind of break them apart like a wireframe and you can see inside Yeah, that's them. cool. All of that stuff is where the money goes, I'm assuming, because <laughs> it, it doesn't just happen. Somebody has to design all that. Um, but they've got a new test track. If you were a Top Gear fan from before, there was, the test track was a big thing about Top Gear. They've got a new test track, which is more interesting than the old test track, I think. It's got, it's way, it looks way more difficult to drive around. But um, yeah, it's the Grand Tour. It's out once a week on Amazon Video, Friday night, I think. Um, if you've got an Amazon Prime membership, which a lot of people probably have, and don't realize you can watch stuff. You can just log in and watch. Um, you just have to have a Prime membership. Or you can buy episode by episode, I believe. But that's it, the Grand Tour. Excellent, I thought. I was uh, The opening sequence with the music <laughs> and where Jeremy Clarkson's driving and then Hammond and May pull up alongside him, it gave me goosebumps. I don't know what that is. I don't know why. Like <laughs> I was like, oh my God, they're back. Like, this is... Aww. You know, like, I didn't... I, I didn't know if I would see them again. Like, like I love that show. Like, I could watch that show all day if it was on all day. So, yeah, excellent. I thought it was really good. Um, th- thanks to Amazon for bringing us that. Awesome. And uh, Amazon are probably rubbing their hands together with all the money they're going to get. Well, they're already getting my $100 a year, so it's no different. No skin off our nose. We can watch it no matter what. Yeah, We already true. have Amazon <laughs> You get it for totally free. I get to pay the $100, and so there you go. Yeah. I mean, you're not just paying for the grand tour but i'm sure it helps (laughs) because it did cost them a lot of money uh so sven gooley you're not even going to be watching it this week so 
And it's not Saturday. Today's Friday. And you wouldn't be watching. Tomorrow I'll be driving. And speaking of that, I've been working on a new drawing for my best friend. One of my best friends. Eldest daughter is about to have a baby in January. And this is the age of when my friend... I will never be a grandmother. But my friends are all becoming grandmothers. And this is the friend that's least likely because... Well, I would be the least likely because I have no children. But she likes to call herself now. She's going to be Glamma. As in glamorous grandma. So just tells you this is it. This is a woman who <laughs> was not prepared to be a grandma. But her daughter is totally into like kind of groovy things like dream catchers and nat nature things. And so I'm drawing a picture of a dream catcher. And I'm putting, you know, kind of her own special little things. Like their letters of their names. And so Where I'm does the dream catcher originate? Is it the... It's like uh, from an a from a Native American, um, I don't forget what tribe, but there's a specific tribe where there was a like a spider queen who would spin. She was charged with taking care of all the children of the tribe, and she would spin these webs that, while they slept, would catch all the bad dreams and only let the good dreams through. This and is so, like a story, like a like, like a, a fairy myth, yeah, yeah, like a legend, you know, right. Like, Whatever. Like a Santa Claus or an Easter Bunny kind right. of thing. And so the inside of the circle is usually looks kind of webby. These days it's very ge geomet geometric. There you can never feel like anything. Feathers hanging off. I don't know about that part. All I researched really was the, the web part because I was curious why it was a web. And the rest of it, it can... Like, I've looked at loads of them now. It could be anything. But I'm doing feathers and hearts and... I saw one that had a butterfly on it, so I'm doing a little butterfly, you know. Nobody cares, really, who's listening, probably, but that is my project. That's why I will not be watching Svengooly with you. And Svengooly, to answer your question, is a horror host who gets dressed up in a funny costume. And again, talking about the wacky, sort of slapsticky comedy. Schlocky. So on Saturday nights on MeTV, he hosts a, like, a horror, old horror movie or an old universal movie. This week... Excuse me, is The Land Unknown. It's a uh, dinosaur movie. A dinosaur. So it's going to be a lot of stop frame animation. It, it looked pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but it's that kind of thing. It's from the Last week I fell asleep, unfortunately. You did? It uh, wasn't... You didn't miss much? I was really tired. It was Dracula... No. Frankenstein's... What that? Ghost, ghost of Frankenstein. That is yeah, right. Yeah, there was nothing the, to do with a ghost. It wasn't. I remember thinking there's nothing. Maybe I just my brain was like, there's nothing. One thing I've learned thing. from these old Universal horror movies is the title doesn't mean shit half mm -hmm. the time. It's like uh, the haunted house on the hill, and then you watch it, and they will be like, why is it called that? It's nothing to How do. About with the it. She Wolf of London. <laughs> the She-Wolf of London sounds awesome, right? It does. If you're thinking about the original Wolfman yeah. and go with that story, and then you're like, okay, we're going to do the female version. I get it. We want sequels. Universal. If you're talking about... People think nowadays is when the franchise shit sequels, talks. Though. Oh, my God. We're talking sequels and, and franchises started in the 20s. The teens and the 20s. I mean, Charlie Chaplin, the movies weren't all like separately individual. Sort of a universe of Charlie Chaplin's characters and world. So, you know, that's old school idea. The She-Wolf of London. Like, <laughs> the only thing I can guarantee you in that movie about the title is it's in London. Correct. That is it. Correct. <laughs> and, and that's a lot of these Universal movies, The Ghost of Frankenstein. Don't bank on a ghost. No. You might get some Frankenstein, a little tiny bit, but you won't get much of a ghost. And you won't get much Frankenstein, to be honest. It was Correct. not a lot. <laughs> um, they just want to get you to the theatre and then rip you off with some... 
<laughs> Mediocre. <laughs> lies. It's all lies. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's Sanguli, uh, the land unknown. What's for dinner this evening? Tonight is going to be crockpot potatoes. Is that baked potatoes? That is... Wrap them in aluminum foil, wash them, poke them with holes, cut out the weird bits, wrap them with aluminum foil and a little bit of butter or oil or whatever. Put them in the crock pot for a few hours on high, and now they've been on low for a while, and last time I did them, what do you think? Yeah, they're really yummy. It's amazing. It's like the most They taste like they've been in the oven. Roasted. Yeah. But they're baked. And like so nutty. Having that, plus my tofu that I make, chop it up, put all those different seasoning on it. It's good. It's very... Uh, sage and oniony flavored with some ketchup and other i just kind of throw everything at it and you have to put a lot of flavor in tofu i disagree that's, I, that's the same i've tried oh. it in the raw block and it really tastes of nothing it doesn't i disagree with you, you know when it's raw in the pot and you just i understand it. i eat it all the time and i disagree with everyone who says that it just I think tastes you're like full of shit it tastes exactly like what it is it tastes it's like made from a bean when you eat baked beans what I like about baked beans is the tomato sauce and the beans mixed together, right? Oh, but you if just you ate took the bean, beans out, they're just you took the bland. sauce out. The sauce out, sorry. The beans are just kind of bland. I just disagree. I just think that's brainwashing. But whatever. No, it's just my taste. How I, how I it isn't though. What I like about baked really, beans really is the sauce. If you really, really taste it and really, really accept it for what it is, I love the taste of it. And it's just all the tofu is is I don't soy like, milk. Soybeans that have been made into milk, really thick, luscious milk, and then use the same enzyme that you use to make cheese, and it just happens to make it, you know, get hard like cheese, like coagulate or whatever the whatever the sciencey part is. I find how people think tofu's gross. Like you see people kind of wince at it. Yeah. But then they eat cheese, and they eat meat. <laughs> but I mean. The, I see people wince at yeah. tofu. I see them go, like, yeah, like. But I have the same reaction to people who say it tastes like nothing. So there we go. Um, so I'm going to cook that up in the skillet and some peas, and that's it for the supper. All right, before we go, what is your advice? Uh, you don't have to be happy, happy all the time, people. Um, it's really annoying to me. The uh, Pixar movie, oh, Inside Out was one we didn't yeah. mention. In- Inside Out. It's okay to be pissed off, and it's okay to be annoyed, and it's okay to be depressed. I mean, it doesn't feel okay. I'm not saying champion your depression. I'm just, yeah, it's not (laughs) not okay, like, woo, I'm depressed. I'm Mm -hmm. saying if the whole world tries to make you feel like when you get annoyed or you express an annoyed feeling or sad feeling or frustrated, and somebody's like, calm down, you're so excitable, just flip them off. Tell them to fuck off. Get some of that anger out of you. <laughs> it doesn't hurt anybody. You know, you're, we're not like cardboard cutouts where someone put a little computer chip in the, in the head and, com- and programmed you to be like smiling and just waving with your hand on a spring all the goddamn time. I'm sick of people acting like you have to be happy all the time. I love being happy. I love feeling satisfied. I love feeling good. I love making other people that I care about feel good. I love the good vibe whenever it's there, but I do not shy away from. I'm not afraid of. It doesn't bother me when I get upset. It doesn't bother me when other people are upset. Even if something horrible's happened and the the worst feelings they can imagine are, are hitting them like a truck, I just think no matter what, it's going to pass. Life is that way. The universe is not made. It doesn't give a shit about anybody. We're not. We made up all this shit about being happy and sad and everything. The, the innate emotions and reactions we have, I think, are 
real, but this ideal that we put on to people about, if you ask somebody, how are you? And they, oh, good, good. And that's what you want to hear because you don't want to hear the truth. That's an invention. You know, don't ask me how I feel if you don't want to know. True. I'm going to tell you, like, oh, my God, my feet are killing me today. Or I'm doing absolutely awesome. Today is fantastic. And then the other person sometimes gets resentful because you're so genuinely. Yeah, because I don't lie about it. I will say to you, today's an awesome day. I'm having a great time at work. I'm enjoying this and that. And they look at you like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. All I wanted to hear was, oh, I'm fine. I'm good. Or eh, another day. Sort of a neutralness, you know, they want to hear, I guess neutrality may be the worst thing versus, you know, I'm thinking people want you to be happy, but maybe people wanting you just to be neutral is worse because I don't have a lot of neutral. <laughs> I don't have neutral gear on my little gearbox. I'm, um, I've got one thing or another. And so I just say, I don't know how you can express yourself if you're in a situation where you can't always express yourself like at work or whatever. That's fine. I don't, I'm not saying go to work and be all bitchy and hateful. But if you're forcing yourself every morning, you kind of like slap yourself like, uh, what was her name? Um, in beautiful American beauty. When she sat in the car and slapped herself really yeah. hard, the real estate lady, because it was like she had to get it out of her. It was like she couldn't let anybody see her crying or being upset. And then after that, she's just like Miss Perfect and like smiling all the time. Like if that's what you have to do to get through your day, think about why? Like why can't you just be upset sometimes and ease people into it? Like, uh, well, today's not great. I'll do what I can to be as positive I can, but... Just know the truth. I'm not super happy today. And everything should be fine. Tomorrow is another day. All right. So everything is also going to be fine if you go to our website <laughs> and look at ascully.com and sitar.com. You can actually catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the uh, Google Play Store, the iTunes Music Store, or just go to ascully.com slash podcast. You can subscribe or just listen straight from the page. Convenient it is. <laughs> You can also a little Yoda. Yes, you can also email uh, aschoolie at aschoolie.com. If you've got any feedback, don't email Sid Talk. She hates all of you. I do not. And finally, stay classy, Pixar. Um, what? I don't know what the next one is, but I'm sure it'll be great. Thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna say thank for yourself, or someone will do it for you. <laughs> <laughs>